0: The president is briefed on verified intelligence, and again, I would just point you back to the absolutely irresponsible decision of the New York Times to falsely report that he was briefed on something that he in fact was not
1: briefed on. Trump tweeted overnight, Intel just spoke to me. What specifically does that mean? Who spoke to him? Uh, Did that person in fact give the president a full briefing in that conversation?
0: So I have no further details on the president's private correspondence. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muckrake Podcast. I am your co-host, Jared D. Sexton. I'm here with my loyal co-host, Nick Halseman. Good news, everybody. We're back at full power this week. Very, very exciting. Um, less exciting is what we have to talk about. Uh, we have to start with um, one of the more shocking scandals of a, a United States presidency that we've seen... Maybe ever. I don't I, I don't know. I've, I've I've lost track of how to really rank these things, Nick. So for those who are not familiar, uh, just to get people up to speed, uh, the New York Times released a uh, very well thoroughly researched report that said that our good friend Vladimir Putin, our our ally, Nick, our ally. What a, what a nice guy. What a nice guy. Our one of our president's best friends or you know the guy who holds power over him has been paying bounties on the lives of U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. uh, And that Donald Trump has apparently... Well, well, we got to get to that. He has either known about it and not commented on it, or the President of the United States has not been briefed on this major situation. Both are bad. There's no good situation in any of this. But um, I don't know about you, Nick, but um, it, it, it feels um, – what's the word? What's the word where you betray country and do – that's right, treason. Treason. Uh,
1: treason. Tongue. <clears throat> yes, uh, treason. Uh, you know, this is – it's almost like we, we don't have enough time to have another um, uh, impeachment process, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think. Um, but this would have been <laughs> nice if they could have somehow foreseen that COVID was going to happen and then this was going to happen. They could have waited, put it all together – and, and have a, a nice impeachment trial that would probably have swayed somebody. I, I know you'd argue it wouldn't have changed anything, and maybe you're not, but um, at the very least, uh, there's lots of time to have a um, Benghazi number of investigations into this, wouldn't you say?
0: Well, I, I mean, how many Benghazis are we up to for Donald Trump? Only real uh i mean i uh, baker's dozen i don't know i i mean listen i you know i had a moment with this i don't know if you if if it happened with you what what i'm now going to refer to as uh 2020 brain which is where like a scandal breaks and it's just like one of the most disgusting scandals imaginable right and, and, and by the way, just just to put my cards on the table, because I, you know, I've spent the last couple days on social media basically being told, what do you care about the troops? You're a pinko commie and you think that they're oppressors of the rest of the world. Well, yes, I do believe that the United States foreign policy has been oppressive. I'm also the grandson and son of veterans. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a ridiculous black and white assumption that you can you can't criticize u.s foreign policy but also support troops that's stupid i I support not putting americans in danger for useless feudal reasons so let's just start with that but 2020 brain this is like one of the most disgusting scandals ever and 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 it happens and then you go a couple of days with this floating in the air and like you almost forget about it you know what i mean because it's just like well i mean all these things nothing ever sticks to this guy but then you forget like He's legitimately, because he's, like, best friends with Putin and because they're authoritarians who are on the same page with the same sort of goals, which is dismantling their countries for parts and, you know, enabling oligarchs in their own power and profit, you forget. I mean, it's treason, again. And and, and, and sitting around with this thing, it's just like, when it pops up in your head, it's just the most, like, shocking thing you can imagine, really. Well, let's pull
1: this apart because there's some moving pieces here. Um, they had uh, captured... Or actually, I'm not even sure they captured, but the, uh, the intelligence came in uh, in Afghanistan finding uh, in these villages immense amounts of cash. And I think you believe it was US cash, which was like a real big red flag to them because this kind of stuff is usually given out by us, not by anybody else. And they couldn't quite figure this out. So they go and they start interrogating some of the Taliban that they've caught to find out, well, you know, where is this money coming from? And, of course, they report back uh, that, you know, it's coming from the Russians and Putin is trying to pay them to, you know, take out, uh, pick off American soldiers. I mean, are, you, are we have to speed at this point, Jared? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is all dead on. And also it's been confirmed
0: at this point that at least one soldier has been confirmed to have been killed for a bounty. And by the way, these are not, when, when, when we're talking about intelligence officials, we're not talking about, like, Adam Schiff's best friend. We're talking about died in the wool Like, a lot of these people are war hawks, you know what I mean? Like, these are people who, like, are true believers in what the military does and what foreign policy is. Um, multiple confirmations from multiple sources and multiple publications at this point have confirmed that at least one person that they know of has been killed for money. At least one. And, and, and chances are many more.
1: So, here's the thing we have to decide, because... You know, clearly there's a we, – we've seen the reporting. that's never been disputed, so I'm taking it as fact, of how they deliver the presidential daily briefing to the president, which is now the presidential In cartoons, bi-weekly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> with with P, his name
0: as many times right. as possible so he doesn't lose attention. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's a BWB, uh, B, whatever, P, presidential bi-weekly briefing, whatever it is. It's not even a briefing anymore because he doesn't read anything. He simply has to be presented orally with a, a report. Um, But we know without a doubt for certain lockdown fact that they will withhold information from him when they glean that that will make him upset, primarily about Russia. That was written in 2018 in The Washington Post, never disputed. And it makes it certainly a lot of sense to me because you hear how he behaves in the White House and you know he would just wig out when he hears these things about Russia. So I would imagine that what happened was they probably buried it in the report on page 50 or 60, knowing he'd never read it, and they simply didn't present it to him when they were speaking to him during these briefings. First of all, this is Cold War level shit. You know what I mean? Like This is,
0: this, this is, this is proxy warfare is what it is and it it should not for people who aren't necessarily familiar with history and i'm sure a lot of our listeners are you need to understand that afghanistan has been the site of a lot of this stuff like actually if you want to go back into the 1980s one of the things that finally brought the soviet union down was they went into afghanistan and let me tell you something it's not good to be an occupying force in afghanistan
1: it doesn't work out well for you
0: because the afghani soldiers are really really tough and it's rough terrain it's a rough place to go fight a war
1: well well if only we would have learned this uh any other part of the world too while we were <laughs> doing these
0: well well we were having all these proxy situations and the US went into Afghanistan and gave you know the these insurgents They gave them weapons and training and intelligence in order to destroy, you know, Russian troops and and Russian things. Which, by the way, not that that ever had consequences or led to any problems for us or anything. But that's that's neither here nor there. We might recognize
1: a name or two in there.
0: Uh, There's a couple names that, you know, they go through. We can't keep track of these things. But again, this is Cold War level shit is what this is, right? The idea that intelligence would have to bury this. And by the way, what you just did was very charitable. Right. Like what you just did was like the best possible reading, which is it was really deep in the briefing. And Trump, you know, had his 15th Diet Coke of the meeting and just started to nod off and he picked up his phone and he started retweeting white power memes like we all do. That's a charitable reading. Right. But let's also let's pick apart the charitable and then let's go to the possible things that might have happened here. The charitable reading. This is a grown ass man. The man in his 70s who wants to be president, which, by the way, right before we started taping, reports are starting to stream in that GOP insiders are like, we don't think Donald Trump really wants to be president anymore yeah, right. and the numbers are bad, so he might just drop out, you know, like a child who loses, uh, you know, doesn't want to play with this toy anymore, which is how they're treating him. It's like it's like there's an unruly toddler. Well, he doesn't like to do that, so let's just work around him or whatever, Right. He's a grown-ass man. He's the President of the United States. If they can't brief him on Russia, which is on the record, that they have had to just not brief him on one of the U.S.'s main antagonists and foils in the world, which makes me and you and every one of our listeners in the United States of America less safe, that's patently absurd. The second thing, and this is probably even worse, is that he probably was briefed, did nothing about it, And is now just
1: straight up lying and is just hoping not to get caught in the lie. Wait a minute. He didn't do nothing about it. He went and invited Russia to join the G7 on the United States soil. (laughs) He said, Putin, come on over.
0: Wait, hold on real fast, Nick. Isn't there a real possibility in the timeline of all of this that he also was trying to get the Taliban to come to America and hang out with him at Camp David?
1: absolutely that is part of that the is timeline. a
0: possibility in the timeline we're dealing with we don't even yes. know what happened that was something and by the way this is another one of those 2020 brain things a lot of people have forgotten that he wanted to be the person who ended all of the hostilities over there he just wanted an award right this is why he asks Everybody to like put him up for the Nobel Peace Prize. He wanted to be the the person who brought in the Taliban. So that's another reason that he might not have wanted to to have anything to do with this. He might have won an award. He might have brought in somebody who is engaged in a bounty for U.S. soldiers' lives with Russia and, and has buddied up to both of them. Real quick question, Dick. Why would a person who is president of the United States of America and has taken an oath to protect the Constitution and also look out for the safety of all of us What what mindset would have to be there for that person to engage in everything that we're talking about right now? What is what is the psychological profile of a person like that? I think it's called a hostage. (laughs) It's crazy. This person doesn't care about America whatsoever. It is the most dangerous, destructive, narcissistic personality you could ever imagine as president of the United States. And it's what we're watching here. It is it is beyond disgusting.
1: Oh, and that's the thing is every intelligence officer or anyone who's serving the CIA, they're coming out and really upset about this as well because, again, it it does put everybody at risk, especially the troops. And we're going through this whole thing about how the troops are so important and how he defends them. And yet, over and over again, there are so many instances where he doesn't give a shit about the military. He doesn't want to take, you know, do anything to keep them safer anyway. And so, the, again, the only thing you can take from this is that he is being held under some sort of spell by Vladimir Putin. Uh, even the thing with Khashoggi, when he was murdered and he just simply shrugged his shoulders on that and didn't do anything, I don't think we would ever expect He covered him. it up. It wasn't <laughs> even that he
0: didn't do anything. He helped cover the whole thing up. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, and all for money, all for some sort of deal he was trying to do. And we keep to see it with China. We see it with Russia. So this is a um, – this is why he never should have been <laughs> elected in the first place. Why many people had already seen this was going to happen, um, and that—that that is what's so frustrating about this is that um, it doesn't—it's not making any like waves, you know, in, in in politically really for him. It's very strange. Although I suppose you could argue that his poll numbers may are like dipping and going down, um, but I don't think he. By the way, to address the point you made earlier, I don't think he has any intention of like bowing out of the race or blowing it up sort of on purpose or subconsciously to, to lose. I think, again, he, he is so concerned with being prosecuted that he thinks he needs to win.
0: I think that is the main thing. And we've talked about this on prior podcast, where I think if he got some sort of um ish deal, you know, that was like, we will not prosecute you if you don't run for re-election, I think he would blow out of town so fast. Trump is... For anyone who's ever done this—somebody you play video games with, or you play a board game with, or you go out and you play basketball with—and you're beating them so badly that at some point they just like throw everything down. They say, "I didn't want to win anyway," and then they like stomp off. I mean, that's who Donald right. Trump is, right? And and I'm sure that if he could do it without losing face, he and and going to jail, I'm sure he would walk away from the whole thing. I I, I just I want to make this very very clear. I don't know I don't know if. People have stuff on Trump. I've certainly heard rumors of that. I've had people come to me with what they think is evidence of it. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I, I'm a responsible journalist as, as well. Uh, that's that's all I'll so no, say. 2000, no 2016 was a hell of a year for me. I'll just I'll just throw that out. That was an odd year for me with a lot of stuff coming my way, but. I don't know if I don't know if there's blackmail. I don't know if there's mob ties. I don't know if it's financial. I don't know if it's just that him and Putin have the same authoritarian wo- worldview. I mean authoritarians find each other like, you know, magnets and steel. They love each other because, you know, they're all these really, really fragile, brittle, authoritarian, insecure, you know, man babies. And they all find each other and they, they work for each other time and time again. I don't know exactly what's happening. All I know is that we can never, first of all, we can never call the Republican Party the party of national security again. They have just failed time and time again. And, and we, by the way, we can spend the rest of the podcast going over one case after another. We can start with our good friend Ronald Wilson and just go, you know, selling arms here, doing this here. The times that they put people's lives in danger without the needs that they, they, they need, without you know uh, any thought about what might happen to them. They don't pay for their health care when they get back here. They don't take care of them. They use them and abuse them and throw them out. The Republican Party cannot be known as the party of national security anymore. Number two, anybody who has any doubt about this... Look at it on his face. Look at the evidence. Donald Trump doesn't care about troops. He doesn't care about America. That's just the the bottom line of this thing. He does not actually care about America beyond what it can do for him.
1: We also have to throw in there fiscal responsibility uh, as far as Republicans. Oh God, because go, that's another one of those. But
0: why would why would or pro life? Let's do that. It's all these things that they just continually say are their principles, but they're not true. They're political cudgels. They don't actually care. Like like we've talked about this before a little bit. They don't actually care about abortion. They know that it wins elections. They know that it raises tons of money and it, it it creates a dichotomous divide, right? They don't actually care about lives. They care about what it gets them. They care about power. That's what this party's all about.
1: Well, let's discuss a little bit for a second about why would Putin do this to his good buddy Trump. OK, why would he be paying his soldiers or, you know, paying the Taliban like this uh, bounties? You know, I don't think that the Taliban needed a lot of incentive to shoot at the United States troops anyway. Right. But I'm kind of curious about that. That would be probably a Republican talking point. No, by the way, no one is arguing this yet, but I suspect that they would. Um, but, you know, if oh, if there's such buddy buddies, then, you know, why would he be you know, targeting troops like this? And then their answer would be like, well, because he's not. Um, but it is interesting Because I think like he has um, And again I think it's just Sort of this notion of chaos Right This sowing chaos uh, Continually making things A problem for the United States No matter what And it's funny because Putin doesn't give a shit About Trump Either way If he can get the sanctions removed Okay great That'll help him a lot He'll be even more The richest man in the world Of all time But um, other than that I, Yeah I just think He is sitting there Trolling everybody
0: So I, I want to say A couple things on this One There's this thing out there, and it's really tired. I'm glad that Sarah Kinsey brought this up a couple days ago. People are like, Donald Trump needs to realize that Vladimir Putin is not his friend. (laughs) Donald Trump is a 70-year-old grown-ass man who has worked in business his entire life. Do you think he's ever gone into a room with another business person and thought that that person was his true blue friend? No. They go in and they do what they can for each other, and occasionally they'll be on the same side, and occasionally they won't. Vladimir Putin's entire history as ruler of Russia has been to sow chaos on every side. He gives money and power on both sides, sees what happens and who wins, and then he wins. It's like betting on sports. You bet on both teams and you end up winning. That's what he does constantly. The third thing historically people need to think about, we're talking about like actual politics here and the way things have actually worked and like hardball politics. Do you know what happened immediately after World War II? What happened was that America very, very quickly brought a bunch of Nazis into its oh, yeah. fold. They brought Nazis over to America. They started working with fascist groups around Europe who were anti-communist. And as soon as that war ceased, Nazis were our allies because the enemy of our enemy is our friend. That's hardball politics. That's. and By the way, I don't want to say that that's right. That's actually what I think is really toxic and has destroyed the world. I actually think that hardball politics, as you would like to call it, is just so immoral and disgusting, right? But that's what's happening here. If Vladimir Putin thinks that maybe in the future, the Taliban or even Al-Qaeda or even an ISIS at some point or another would help him geopolitically, do you think he would hesitate for a moment? No, he plays all sides of every issue. And that's one of the reasons why... He has become. At, he is now at the forefront of geopolitics. is because he's willing to do the immoral, ugly, disgusting things that a lot of other people aren't willing to do. Which is why hardball politics is corrosive and it hurts us. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. You're dead on. He's playing both sides of everything.
1: You know, uh, over the weekend I had a we did a podcast with a, a historian. It was really interesting about uh, you know deep United States history. And one of the concepts I kind of wanted to bring up that – and if you haven't listened to it, just check it out. Uh, but we, uh, we, we didn't quite scratch the surface. And I don't know if we did this before the, uh, last week. But do you think that the founding fathers intended the United States to have only two political parties in control? They didn't want any parties. They thought parties were one of the most dangerous things that could happen to
0: a country. They basically and, – and this is like one of the things I don't think that a lot of people understand – the Founding Fathers were this oligarchial society that thought that if they just maintained control and that they were always in consensus, you know what I mean? Because what did they have to argue about? They wanted power and they wanted money and they wanted control. So obviously they would never have a problem with each other and then almost immediately they're like oh all of a sudden Federalists and democrat republicans here we are and now we're fighting and all of a sudden you had like john adams outlawing political dissidents so no they didn't want political parties they thought that was like one of the most toxic things possible and then they just immediately went to it which by the way is one of the reasons (laughs) we're in the situation we are now is because of the the bipolar nature of our politics i mean it we, we were talking about it before we recorded the Republican Party just went and met with Trump to be briefed on his non-briefing. Like they did it not for informational purposes; they did it so they could create a PR strategy on how to handle this thing.
1: Yes, and if you didn't, if you missed uh, Kaylee McEnany's uh, press briefing, we need a new name for for what they are because they're certainly not. They're not <laughs> who press who
0: would miss those? They're so informative, Nick. There's so yeah. much information and truth-telling at these things. It's by the way, do you have you do you watch them? I, oh, I do. I do. I, yeah, I appreciate oh the God. way she,
1: she reads from her notebook uh, <laughs> very well. CJ Craig must be rolling around in her whatever she is right now. Her uh, fictional TV <laughs> grave. Wait, do you actually watch those briefings? I mean, I, I watch the, the snippets on Twitter in video, so I do, you know, maybe I, not the whole thing in all one shot. I
0: have, to, I have to, again, tip my cap to you, Nick. I,
1: and I do this all the time whatever, because
0: the, the, the masochism that you have with this <laughs> stuff is incredible. The episode where Nick watched three straight days of of right-wing television is fantastic. I can't do it. And that's actually part of this as well is I think my trust of the administration has just cratered to the point where I like I have to turn off the TV immediately when she comes on. I just can't. It's just such bad faith garbage. And I even tried with Huckabee Sanders. I just can't with her. I, I it's just it's it's a bridge too far, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, she's worse. And so uh, I think Kaylee's worse than Huckabee. Although, no, you know what? Actually, my wife and I were watching it uh, maybe this weekend, and she turned to me and said, you know what? I think I hated um, Huckabee worse. Uh, but even still, she's packaged. Kaylee's packaged differently. And in fact, people are now, you know, have turned to just complaining about what she's wearing and how inappropriate that is now. But the point is, is that she tried to clean this up a little bit about what Trump said last night versus what she said today and what they learned. And what you're getting and what the gist of this is, is that um, she's saying that you know it was unverified and people never Ugh. give unverified stuff to the president in a presidential daily brief. Of course, don't you know this? Now, that said, if that was the case, then Obama would never have gotten briefed about Osama bin Laden and where he was hanging out before they took him out. <laughs> like, that's that how is, ridiculous that statement is. That is one of the
0: most dumb shit excuses that I have ever heard. Can you imagine? Okay, Nick, you you you've been a you've been a you've been a leader of men. You you <laughs> okay. you you you've been in positions of authority. Does anyone in authority not want to know what's going on? And and by the way, I don't even that, that that's even dealing with what she says as if it's real, you know. Mm-hmm. And actually, I I don't know. I think it's a dumb shit congressman from my home state of Indiana who just came out and said this. He went to the briefing, and he was like, yeah. This, this was an ongoing investigation and because the New York Times brought it to our attention, it's going to put troops in harm's way, which again is such a dumb shit answer. And if, even if you want to be charitable and, and believe what they're saying... That is nuts. The idea, oh, it hasn't been verified. It's been, it, what are these people talking about? It's such grasping at straws. And again, it's boot-licking madness what these people are involved in. It, obviously, it's been verified. The intelligence communities not only went to Trump with it, they they were so frustrated by the lack of response that they started leaking to the New York Times. Do you know that the intelligence community hates leaking to mainstream media they don't like to do it it's like it's like putting uh, a honey badger and any other animal in the same arena they hate each other their goals are completely antithetical to each other
1: well but i've already i've posited this before where i've said that oftentimes in my mind it's the intelligence community that is the last stopgap measure against the corrupt government and we saw that with uh, deep throat and nixon and uh, we're seeing that now. And, that, and that, so I, I almost take solace in the fact that thank God that we do have those things because that's clearly what's going on here. And a great point that you made is that these things leak on purpose, right? These things leak when there's, you know, we, didn't, we wouldn't have found out about Vinman and the whistleblower there without a leak. Uh, we wouldn't have found out about this. We wouldn't have found out about Watergate. All these different things. So um, it's really important. And the interesting thing is what they're parsing, what, what McKennedy is not parsing is uh, Trump tried to say last night that the intelligence, that there was no, that it wasn't verified or anything uh, when, when, they, when he, he checked in with the, with the spooks or whoever he was talking to. And she then today was like, he was not briefed. He was not briefed. He's not been briefed. So what is it? Did he talk to the intelligence community? and Did they say, oh, it wasn't verified, we're not going to tell you about it? Or did he not talk to them at all, which is what she's saying today? It's a shit show. They can't even get their story straight. You are asking,
0: again, for logic in an illogical situation. There's no story that they can give because there's no way to do anything but admit malfeasance. Right. It's just the truth. They, They... they They probably knew about this and then hid it because Trump loves Putin and doesn't want to throw dirt at him, which means that he betrayed his oath, which means he probably, well, not that he probably, he shouldn't be president, and he put people at risk, including us and the troops. How How many military and intelligence leaks do you remember under Barack
1: Obama? Jeez, uh, not many, not many. I mean, I'm trying to think. Was the thing at the border with the guns and the and the cartels was that a leak? Uh, I can't. Oh, remember. what 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 was that? Was that? Um, it wasn't Rush Hour. It was
0: uh, Fast yeah, and the r- Furious, right? Yeah, right. Because right. that was like that was like one of those like we're gonna go down to Cuba and kill fidel castro with like a poison cigar type operations right yeah right. it's the it's the type of things that the cia operatives dream up when they've had one too many scotches in a hotel bar right 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 the, this is not what they do the intelligence community is not like it's not the deep state it's not a bunch of antifa radicals who you know are studying up on their marxist manuals and are like how do we bring down this truth-telling president <laughs> These are people who are like, they're, they're hardliners, man. They go around the world and interfere in the democratic processes of other countries. They, they invalidate the privacy of people all over the world. Do you know what they like? War. They fucking love war. And for these people to call up the New York Times and be like, hey, I understand you're covering this posh new restaurant that's opening up. Can we please talk about the president who's not taking our briefing seriously? People don't seem to understand like how much madness that is. This isn't the resistance. This is a group of professionals who are like, listen, your lives are being put in danger right now. We have tried and tried and tried and tried
1: and they will not listen. Well, imagine having to make some of the most important decisions policy-wise, security-wise, as the most powerful person in in the world and not have information vital to make these decisions. Constantly not having this information And apparently one of the reasons why they cut back on the number of presidential daily briefs Is because he would just argue with them When they would present him with information Factual information that was gleaned from all these different sources And washed and cleaned and, and verified and looked at And, and if, it's, if it's getting to him it's going to be close to being factualized If, if not completely fact And he would argue with these people and they eventually were like, well, you know what, we're going to have to do something and we'll cut these back because we don't want him so upset. We can't have the guy, we can't have the big guy, you know, having an aneurysm every time we try and brief him on something.
0: I, by the way, uh, for those who are familiar, we uh, we do have a YouTube version of our show where you can see <laughs> me taking off my glasses in wow. just utter despair and frustration right now. I, w- I, w- I want to, here's a, I, I, here's the thing I don't think a lot of people understand. So the the politics that a lot of us are privy to is a performance right like this guy going on social media and saying we just met with the president it turns out the democrats have just or new york times have blown the cover of this operate that's a performance that's all that is it's just theater it's just trying to this guy will probably send out a fundraising call in a couple of hours and get some money and that's how this whole thing works yeah trump does this yeah, it's just
1: like in um, in um, Anchorman. Loud noises, loud noises. Loud
0: noises. So <laughs> that's what Trump does. That's what Republicans do. And listen, we're not a biased show. Democrats do it too. That's that's the TV politics. It's the theater we're all used to. Do you know what happens under the surface of that? It's this group of professional, serious people who have no time for any of this stuff. And I I, I, want, I want to remind people, because again, 2020 brain, Trump reality. These people that we're talking about are the people that Donald Trump, when he went to Helsinki to meet with Vladimir Putin, right? And after everybody, and it doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, every one of these people came out and said, we know that Russia interfered with the 2016 election, right? We're not mm-hmm. saying that there was collusion, any of that stuff. We know this for a fact. Donald Trump went to Helsinki, shook Vladimir Putin's hand, and in front of the world took Putin's side and said my exactly nick is now taking off his glasses i want to point something out he threw them under the bus he betrayed america in that moment and do you know what these people did the next day they came into work and they went right back to work right and they they have been working behind the scenes doing what they think is right and then it's just like eventually it's like well, what do we do anymore? These professionals who have no interest in going on Twitter and yelling at people and revealing that they have a secret son named Nestor. You know, these people who oh. aren't interested. These people who aren't interested in, in you know, their next campaign ad is they, they throw up, a, you know, a bill or Obamacare and blow it up with an AR-15 or, you know, paint shit on their faces, whatever. These people who are just stewards of a liberal democracy. Show up for work, they do whatever, and, and and even though they got betrayed on the world stage, they still showed up for work. And here we are. You're exactly right. They're like, we can't even brief this guy for him yelling at us and telling us we're wrong. We're just telling him what he needs to know to make good decisions. He's not interested in good decisions. He's not interested in the actual process of government. That's not, not what any of this is about to him.
1: Yeah, well, the really old, eighty-five-year-old, you know, intelligence community members must think that they're really a bunch of wimps now because they took JFK out (laughs) for not agreeing with what he was doing. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But here's what I think you forgot, Jared. Not only in Helsinki did he take Putin's side; he actually pitched allowing Russian in, officials to come in and monitor uh, our elections going forward as if they're some sort of, you know, goodwill peace force. That was the treason that a lot of guys were yelling out out loud. And like people were like, oh, you're alarmist. But imagine that. And then he was going to, you know, uh, who was it? Mike Moore, um a former Russian ambassador, um, Morrell. He was going to like turn him over to the Russians for, to interrogate him and stuff like that. I mean, this is how scary this guy is. And I'm sure all the intelligence community, all the CIA guys must be like trying to figure out uh, even greater ways to make sure that he doesn't get elected again.
0: You know, we, 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 we've been getting a lot more listeners. So this is one of those things that, you know, every now and then we have to bang the drum on this and make sure everyone's on the same page. Nations aren't really nations anymore. It's not the way that we used to think. Like, when it comes to somebody like Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin, you and I sit here and we're talking about America, right? We're talking about our experience growing up in this country. Um, you know, I have problems with this country. I, you have problems with this country. Our listeners have problems with this country. But I feel a patriotic duty towards the country. Right? I was born here. Like I've had certain privileges here. There's a part of me that's like, I have to fight to make this country better. If a foreign enemy came to me and said, help me betray this country, I would report them immediately. Right? We look at countries as if they are nation states, as if they are sovereign places. Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin are post-political. They're business people. They look at countries as, as operations. They look at, oh, how do I use this place to strip it down to bare parts and sell off everything? And, you know, basically it's an international consortium that goes through and figures out the way to make the most money. They are not loyal to a country. They use the country, the idea of the country against us. That's what Make America Great Again is. Oh, if you re-elect me or you elect me, I'll make America great again. He's not interested in making America great again. He's interested in using America. That's why all this is happening. We're all talking about government as a way to make lives better. He's talking about how to use government to make his checkbook better. And it has nothing to do with the country that you and
1: I and our listeners are, are interested in. You know, it's a fine line between global corruption and progressive globalism, right? I'd, I like yep. to look at this as, you know, we're not necessarily nations either. I think there's a progressive ideology that, you know, we're all sort of part of the same globe, right? And, you know, even with, with the trade, China makes the clothes, Mexico is doing the parts, we're going to do the innovation and tech, you know, and, all, and so on. And I, I almost feel like what you're describing is sort of what Trump sort of feels the same way, but just more like he's looking at it as a carcass versus uh, <laughs> countries. It's, and-
0: it's, it's what you just said is really interesting. And <clears throat> this is one of those things where I kind of wish that we had like a seven hour podcast to get into this, right? Because what you just said, that it, it, it's really fascinating because Trump and Putin and everyone under them, everyone from um, Alexander Dugan to Steve Bannon, they all go after globalism. And they're like, oh, globalism is destroying our countries and, and who we are as a people. They're not actually interested in destroying globalism. They're interested in taking it over, right? They're like, eventually, like, we'll have a rise of ethno states where, like, only Americans, which are white Americans, and only Russians, which are white Russians, right? They'll eventually have it out and we'll have a new Cold War and one of them will win the global system and take it over globalism as it is is a caste system what you just said is interesting which is that america will take care of tech and china will do this and mexico will do this what we've done is we've taken nations and we've been like oh you're a second class nation you are now going to handle all the industry so americans don't have to anymore the truth is that doesn't really work right the way that it's set up is faulty. but you don't have to have a dichotomous decision we don't have to be on this podcast and say, you're either a globalist or you're with Trump, which is insane, right? Like that, And that's <laughs> one of the reasons why we did this podcast in the first place is there have to be nuanced views. There are better things than globalism, but being anti-globalism doesn't mean that you become a white, nationalistic, alt-right troll, right? Or like a fascist neo-Nazi. And that's what they've done. That's I mean, that that's the simple language and propaganda that Donald Trump and Bannon and Putin have created. And we don't have to live in that. It's, it's like a really
1: insidious idea. I think the worldview that JFK had laid out, I think, was what the ideals that even today a lot of progressives will still, you know, adhere to or look up towards because... There was this notion that we want to make sure that we can elevate everyone's positions in in, across the globe and not be oppressed and you know and while it might not be democracy like we know it there are some basic human rights being involved here there are opportunities for people that could you know make money to you know make money i don't say like money but sort of get themselves out of poverty and have a have a opportunity that they, they they deserve as humans and that is a very, very um, a threatening position to take. Obviously, it was very threatening back then to a lot of the hawks uh, who would want to, you know, continue war. Not, not sort of. It's a zero sum game for them and for Trump, and that's a real frustrating thing because it just seems, it just seems logical. Again, there's that word uh, that we would want everybody to have the same opportunities that we would have uh, across the globe, you know, to live and you know, well, first of, of all, pursuit of
0: happiness. First of all, you're the best co-host in the business. Done.
1: Period. Because you
0: just took this podcast in a direction that I didn't even expect it to go, and we need to talk about this. So, what modern (laughs) president heroicized John F. Kennedy? Uh, Clinton. Bill Clinton saw him. uh, Everybody knows that one of the most famous pictures is Bill Clinton shaking John F. Kennedy's hands. Uh, He really wanted to be John F. Kennedy. Right? He really, he really, really, really really, did. really wanted to be John F. Kennedy. Now, one of the things about Clinton that we need to understand, and I'm so glad that we've now done, gone down this globalist rabbit hole because this needs to be talked about. Why, why not? We had another segment? Screw it. Let's do oh, it. We'll get there. We'll okay. get there. Well, maybe we will. Who knows? Yeah, th- again, best co-host in the business. Okay. <laughs> so Bill Clinton comes in in 92 and beats George H.W. Bush. Right? So he comes in. And the, one of the first things that lands on his desk is a thing that George H.W. Bush has been working on. It's also a plan that was spearheaded in the 1970s by Ronald Reagan. That plan is the North American Free Trade Agreement, right? It's and, and by the way, that is the the entire blueprint for modern globalism. It's the idea that we'll send here, they'll send here, and we'll just go back and forth. Quick question, Nick. Can you tell me, whether you know or maybe you just guess? What political party do you think provided the support for NAFTA in Congress?
1: When, when Clinton was in power? When Clinton was president. I mean, the Dem- Democrats ended up owning it. They ended up owning it, but the Republicans
0: were actually the one who pushed it through. Because it was a Republican plan from the very beginning that Clinton had to see into stewardship. Now, here is the difference in philosophy, and this is a huge thing. Bill Clinton saw himself as JFK. And what you just said about JFK's vision for the world, which is we'll all come together and we'll all grow. And if you listen to any of the speeches, Bill Clinton's idea was by doing this globalist project, we'll all come into the middle class and it will just be like a really equal middle class. Well, here's the thing. The Republican Party wasn't really interested in that because the Republican Party since the 1960s has been completely dedicated and obsessed with white supremacy as a means of power and control. So they push through NAFTA, and all of a sudden we start having this um, realization of, and, and by the way, let's go real deep Thomas Jefferson's idea of an agrarian America. And for people who don't know this, Thomas Jefferson's entire idea for America was that it would be this large agrarian country where we had no industry whatsoever. We would raise up all the cotton, all the agricultural stuff, and what would we do, Nick? We'd send it somewhere else, and they would use it for industry, right? So all of a sudden, we would have an entire system where America would never dirty itself with industry. Well, guess who embraced that in the 1990s? The Republican Party. Because guess who else embraced it? That's right, the Confederate States of America. And that's what they wanted America to be. So what you end up having, which is the thing a lot of people misunderstand, is that you have globalism, which starts out as a project to bring everybody into a place of equalness and better lives and people say no this is now going to become a racial and a global way of oppressing and maintaining power so you're exactly right there is this weird thing that happened with jfk and bill clinton and with this entire confederate operation that ended up becoming a racial and a a, a class system and that's what they're fighting over now they want control over a system that press oppresses
1: particularly people of color all over the world. Uh, yes, I, I was not prepared for that journey that we just. I couldn't. wasn't prepared
0: to talk about that either, but that's. Yeah. that's I mean, true.
1: listen, there are moments when, you know, I know that like in China, the sweatshops that Nike is making these people work in. You know, there there has to be some lip service paid at least to the notion that what even though they're paying such little you know money to them compared to what we are used to making, a lot of times it is a lot of money in their situations. So there is some notion of that that where you know people can actually you know uh, have a better life or make more money than they would have made without those factories being there. Just a quick little quick
0: little uh, notion. I just want to get the facts right because we care about facts, right? The final House votes on the North American Free Trade Agreement, the ayes, Republicans, 132, Democrats, 102, noes, Republican, 43, Democratic, 156.
1: Sure. Well, do you remember NAFTA, do we have to? <laughs> that was a big <laughs> That's rallying such cry back a terrible terrible cry, terrible cry. <laughs> uh, okay go on yeah. i'm sorry to interrupt yeah. your so, i mean shot. listen you know if you want to look at the 4D chess that Newt Gingrich might have been playing that uh, let's get this through and then we'll just flip it around in in a 94 and we'll and we'll just hammer him for for getting it done even though we were the ones who shepherded it through i mean it's sort of i think what happened i think also maybe they didn't realize that it would le- lead to job losses in america which i think uh they prepared us for if you listen to clinton carefully he did acknowledge that factories were going to close, they're going to open up in Mexico and those different things. But the the point also was that the prices of things would go down and we'd actually be able to afford more. And that was another, that was probably a bigger benefit than some of the factory jobs that were probably going to be lost anyway. So one quick fact and a
0: quick anecdote. One, the reason why Bill Clinton believed that wholeheartedly was because he came from the great state of Arkansas, which is also the birthplace of Walmart. And let me tell you something, as the governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton was tight with Walmart. And Walmart built its, its, its juggernaut from importing goods from China and then claiming that they were all made in the USA waving an American flag. So there's a reason why Clinton believed that. The second is an anecdote. I come from a factory family. And I have to tell you that NAFTA not only destroyed my family. And, and, and I have problems with that, and I have problems with the globalist system and, and, and all this stuff. It destroyed my family. It not only took away their jobs, but because of Republican politicking, they weren't given training. They weren't given incentives. They were, they, they were not taken care of in this complete reshifting. Right? So anytime that you have like a major project to push a country into the future, people get lost on the wayside. And it was people like my family. They suffered greatly. They live shorter, more miserable lives because of this thing. But here's the thing at the heart of it. Do you know who my family supports now? It's Donald Trump. And they support Donald Trump because they're still pissed off about all that. They have a reason to be pissed off about it. But that goes back to the dichotomy we just talked about. Just because you're against that entire system does not mean you're with Donald Trump. That's the way he says it, right? That's like his. the world is winners and losers, right? There's, there's America and then there's shithole countries or whatever you want to say at the time. It's not dichotomous, but they've made it dichotomous. And unfortunately, that's been the message. And, and what we just talked about is one of the reasons why America has been hollowed out. And also one of the reasons why the coronavirus has been so terrible is these people were not taken care of and they were not given an opportunity to get ahead. It just didn't happen.
1: And meanwhile, during the epidemic, we're having the billionaires making hundreds of billions of dollars more and really just feasting on this situation, whereas we're now approaching, I don't even know the numbers are for unemployment, and, and really devastating a lot of the people in the service industry, and it'll be worse as we go forward which is an interesting dichotomy to the people who, again, making all this money and who are doing well, because we got to see firsthand a little bit of how they react to the groundswell of upsetness that we're seeing. Because remember, one thing that we were talking about in the last few weeks has been, um, what's the Venn diagram between Black Lives Matter and anti-Trump when we're talking about um, these protests? And I think there's a lot of overlap, and I think a lot of it has to do with just even being cooped up and needing to get out. But we saw in St. Louis, and St. Louis is also notable because that's where Ferguson happened, uh, when we had the Mike Brown, Michael Brown uh, r- riots and, and um, problems a few years ago. But we saw a a couple in one of the fanciest mansions imaginable uh, in my mind. I, I mean, I saw the interior of this thing. This is amazing, and uh, and maybe you want to fill us in and paint the picture as a as, as, with your more of your flair for the description, but. Um, <laughs> They uh, basically they you know they're they're marching down the street in front of their house and uh, they have to get out their AR and their little their little uh, little miniature pistol and uh, and start menacing the crowd. I, I'd never seen something like that in, in 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 my face like that. So they run out these people. They run out. He
0: has an AR-15. She has a pistol that she has obviously never held in her entire life. We start having peaceful protesters. Which by the way, I love that there's this call where it's like. They broke through a gate. They went through a gate. Okay? And and by the way, again, personal anecdote. I've had people show up here at my house who have personally told me that they wanted to do damage to me and kill me. Like, and threatened to put me into, like, Holocaust-style ovens. Who have shown up at my house in the middle of the night. Do you think I ran out just holding a gun and just waving it around like a madman? No, that's not how you act in a society. These are people who obviously, and and by the way, this house is disgusting. It's just so (laughs) gross that people live in this thing. He said in an interview right before we went on, he said, oh God, this made me laugh. He felt like it was the storming of the Bastille, (laughs) Nick. He saw these, these... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> gross protesters coming through the gate. and it, it, That was it. It's the French Revolution. And he kept saying revolution and revolution and revolution. Now, it's something that we can laugh at because it's so absurd. It looked like they just got done at, you know, P.F. Chang's or something. And, you know, and then we're deciding to, like, mow down protesters. But the truth is, this is white supremacist paranoia. This is the reason why the Republican Party wins elections. It's the reason why Donald Trump is president. They have been radicalized into believing that African Americans, first of all, hold the potential for mass chaos at all times, right? This is why we need law enforcement who's willing to kill them and take them down all the time. It's why they need military-grade weaponry. They, they uh, Dude, can you imagine running out of your house as like a parade of people playing instruments and singing chants? Can you imagine running out with an AR-15
1: and just being like, here we are. This is where we're at. I mean, first of all, the guy, they're, all, they're, they're barefoot, and he's wearing a pink polo and his, his ironed, uh, pleated pants. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then the wife comes out, and she's holding her gun. They, the bottom line is these two people should not have guns because they don't even know how to properly hold them. And she's holding it like it's tea time or something, you know, like, like as if it's, it's like saucer of a, something <laughs> Can- in her hand. That's going to go off without have a misstep somewhere, and we're, we're kill lucky
0: somebody. she didn't shoot somebody. Right, B- very lucky. And by the way, and by the way, again, an anecdote. Um, listen, I'm a gun owner. I, 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 I am. I've, I've inherited a bunch of guns from like my father, who was like the type who just bought a bunch of guns. And let me tell you something. My family has moments of just really offensive behavior. I've heard them say fascistic stuff. I've heard them say unbelievably fascistic, racist stuff. Do you know what real gun owners talk about when they give somebody a gun? They talk about safety. <laughs> like, right. I'm, talking about, I'm talking about people who one moment will tell you that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization, and then they'll be like, no, son, you really don't point that at people, and you don't keep your finger on the trigger unless you intend to shoot it. It's insane to me that this happened. This is obviously a couple of people who feel very guilty about internally and subconsciously. Maybe they don't even understand it. They feel very guilty and endangered living in this um it's not even a mansion. I think mansion actually underplays it. It's a palatial estate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. By the way, when I saw how much it cost and if you if you know what the real estate is like in LA, It's like the most bargain basement deal of all time. It's St. Louis, St. Louis. And by the way, Hey, this is, this is why people keep listening to this podcast. Cause it just
0: keeps churning. Do you know, do you know what hollowed out St. Louis? Not just NAFTA. It's operations like NAFTA, right? That have created places in the Midwest where this has happened. And by the way, why do they not feel safe? Oh yeah. Because they live in a city where people are oppressed and they know that people are oppressed and that a spark could possibly lead to bad things. So, What they did, there's a long American history of this thing. The country was founded on it. The Founding Fathers were not supposed to create a constitution. But do you know how they got it ratified? They went out and they said, yeah, it was kind of a coup that we pulled off. But do you really want to face an uprising of slaves? Do you really want to face Native Americans on the war path? And everyone's like, yeah, I I guess I don't. So I guess we're going to ratify this thing. It's so absurd. And, And I know we can laugh at it, but it's also very telling. We've had people shot. We've had people murdered. We've had people running out with knives and weapons. I mean, this thing just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And what's going to set it off is going to be white supremacist paranoia. That's just what it is. And that's what Trump and Fox and Republicans have been selling for years.
1: Yeah. I mean, and we're seeing even instances of like just the N-word being angrily thrown oh. around. I saw a video this weekend and it was the people weren't even black people, but they were being called the N- N-word in such a... It's just... In the, when you see it in real terms, right? It's just it's so startling because you kind of can conceptualize it and be like, oh, but this is there's something different. You know, there is something different about these times than we've had in the past. And I, my real quick question to you would be is if you were a next door neighbor of this couple and you were like, you know, uh, sympathetic to the cause or agree with what the marchers were talking about, like, do you feel threatened deep down in your bones enough to where you're going to get a, uh, your guns out and get out on your lawn and start pointing them at him? I don't think so. I think, you know, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is that this, this, the political nature of where we've gotten to in our country has now made people so on edge, I suppose, and, and, and so, so radicalized their thought process that, like, you know, if I was their next door neighbor and I was like, yeah, I'd go out there and I would probably like cheer them on or just stand there and, you know, we could give them a salute or something. And I, I don't think I would have felt at all threatened that they're going to come storm in my house and, and do some damage. You know, I didn't plan on talking
0: about this. This has been a podcast of spontaneous conversations. I enjoy that. I I hope our listeners do as well. I want to let people in on a truth. And it's a truth about white supremacy and white racism in America. Okay. It's not just a thing that hides under the surface. I can tell you that racist people, when they're around other people that they are confident are racist. Talk about shit that would just curl your hair. Yeah. I, and, and, like, my my family and people that I grew up with, they have, part of the story that we're talking about right here, they have talked about needing guns for a race war for forever. You know, like the people who prep, the people who, like, stockpile guns, the people that you would think, you're like, oh, that's cartoonish. It would be over the top to talk about them sitting around a living room or at a picnic or wherever having these conversations. They're having them. They literally are talking about, oh, the African-American population, well, they don't say that, but, you know, the black population in America is getting out of control, and eventually these Marxists and Democrats are going to lead them into a revolution, and what are you going to do, or the New World Order, right, or the UN, or whatever racist conspiracy theory or whatever. They talk about this stuff. So, like, when, that, I mean, why else would you have an AR-15, Nick? Like, like, that. you don't grab your AR-15 when someone breaks into your house. What you, what you grab is a shotgun,
1: right? Okay. Because
0: l- let's even talk about what you actually do. Someone breaks into your house, you grab a shotgun. You don't grab an AR-15, which could take down, you know, your house. An AR-15 is for when a swarm of people come at you, right? You, it's for when you think the race war comes to your front door. So what do I think people will do? It depends on which part of America they've been a part of. There's a part of America that has been preparing for this moment forever. And the, sh- the fact that there weren't more people in that neighborhood, like, approaching these people with AR-15s and weapons, I- I'm a little shocked by that. Um, but yeah, I don't know what their neighbors think. I don't know what these people think. But I know that there's a large swath of America that actually believes this stuff and would have done the exact same thing. And possibly worse.
1: Well, your friend of mine, Matt Gates, had an interesting uh, tweet. The uh, esteemed congressman from Florida said... Nestor's and, dad. Uh, Nestor's dad. Quote, in Joe Biden's America, your job is illegal. You are locked in your home. Borders don't exist. <laughs> MS-13 lives next door and the police aren't coming when the mob arrives. This is all of us, and it's a picture of the husband and the wife. And by the way, the husband who had spent extra money to trick out his uh, AR to be a lefty, to be used because he's a lefty. Uh, and then she's, again, holding this gun out, like, in the most absurd angle. Like, it's it's like I, she doesn't know how to use a gun. Um, I
0: actually, by the way, there was an article that just came out in New Republic. I just gave it a parsed over before we started talking. Uh, the person who wrote it says that it's not actually outfitted to be a lefty AR-15. Oh. He just didn't know any better, which oh, just makes it all that much
1: better. Never mind. Then I had, saw, I seen some again, cool. I don't know much about guns, but okay. can I ask you a question for
0: clarification? Because this is one of those things that I actually think Democrats are failing on because they don't want to talk about it. So Matt Gates says that in Joe Biden's America, the police won't come and help you. Nick, in the interest of non-biased communication and fact telling, what Democrat of the last few decades has spent more of their political <laughs> capital Trying to raise money and funds for law enforcement organizations,
1: uh, the esteemed senator from Delaware, <laughs> the esteemed
0: Biden. senator from from Delaware, Joe Biden, who has staked most of his political career talking about getting tough on crime and getting more money for law enforcement. Listen, I know that people are hearing that who are planning on voting for Joe Biden that don't necessarily like it. It's the truth. So if you want to live in Matt Gates's world where Joe Biden is an antifa. You know, like, rioter in the streets, you can. But that should show you how these people are not only not serious, they're not even approaching serious. They're jokes. They're engaging in that theater that we were talking about earlier. They're not
1: actually engaging in any reality that resembles own. Let me ask you this. Who's the president right now? Whose world oh, is this man. that's been shaped? So how can Matt Gates argue... Nick? Okay, he's he's fighting the deep state so hard that he can't do anything else. He's presenting an example of what is on the ground now in reaction to something as if Biden was in the White House now and already had done all these different things they're talking about. But no, they've had the four years of Trump. This is Trump's world, not Biden's world that these people are living in. That is probably the, the biggest takeaway I took from, from that tweet was that what are you doing, you know, you can't sort of accuse somebody who's not even in power of doing these things that exist today because it's the guy that you're supporting It's doing this stuff. That, that's the craziest part of it. That was probably too logical and maybe that took a couple of extra steps that people might not be able to, uh, to, to, to follow. But I'm, it's just mystifying. It's almost like
0: blaming... Your opponent for starting globalism when you were the ones who constructed it, pushed for it, and voted for it. Because what we're talking about is the fact that... And, and by the way, I, I assume... We've never talked about this. I assume you probably watched The Daily Show in the past. I mean, you know, we're, we're a couple of, uh, you know, liberal people cats. in America. Yeah, you watch The Daily Show, right? I, on occasion, I know, I've been known to watch. Okay. It. So, back in the day, when Jon Stewart hosted The Daily Show... One of the most popular segments that they would do constantly is showing Republicans shifting what they said and what they believed. One day they're for this, and then when they were in power, they were for this. And it was just back and forth. What Republicans have done, and this is one of the reasons why they've been successful politically, is that they have shamelessly given up any consistency whatsoever. That's how they gain power. It's one moment whatever is good for them politically is, you know, they'll change it the next minute depending on. It's malleable politics. There's a reason why Donald Trump says one thing in the morning and says another thing in the afternoon. And you couldn't actually pin down Donald Trump's politics besides saying that it's racist, xenophobic, and occasionally it switches around, right? They're not a party that has a consistent philosophy. We joked about it a couple times already. Their platform for their convention, they plagiarized it from the last one when Barack Obama was president and still refer to the president in power as if it's a negative they don't care they're not consistent they'll do whatever they have to do which is one of the reasons why this party needs to go away it has given up any grip on good faith politics and anything approaching actual working towards something better all they're interested in is power that's it period I'm sorry that it comes down to that simple of a a thing but it does
1: my neck is now hurting from nodding so much the last minute of what you were saying. Uh, yes, and that's why I used to watch it on YouTube because it's so much to see. Uh, but I, it is. it is that You said it exactly right. The malleable notion of this. And here's the thing. The people that they're trying to absorb into their tent are not malleable, right? They nope. have very distinct ways of seeing how the world is supposed to be. And they're not interested in changing one iota. But... If you can feed them the crumbs of what they want to hear here, and then hopefully they don't hear the Definitely. opposite of that next later on that night, and they probably or, or they'll be able to rationalize it away, then you can maintain this this coalition, which again is not a majority of the people. And I, last I checked, I thought that the the, the government of the, of the United States is supposed to represent the will of the people, the majority of the people. I, I thought that was supposed to be how it was supposed to, you know, I was set up, but uh, that's not how it works. I get nostalgic about our relationship. And the conversations
0: that we've had. It's such a rich relationship. I get nostalgic about it. One of the things that we've talked about a lot, and it has been brought up a lot, was my experience reporting on the Trump campaign. And you trying to discern the line between the Trumpist and the Republicans who work with the Trumpist. Right? And where that line is and what that number is and where we believe it is. Because I actually think it's a really important conversation. I do. I do. One thing that I wanted to point out that I thought was really important, and actually, you know, I, I don't write textbooks. I write, I write books that have history in them, but, you know, maybe I'll write about this at some point. That video that Trump retweeted from the villages with the, the the retirees and their golf carts supporting him. And, like, within the first 10 seconds, somebody yells out white power, which is just, first of all, who says white power? Who, who says that all the time? Neo-Nazis. Yes. Right, that's the. But it was in card. jest. It was in jest. It right? was. In, it was so funny. But that's the whole point. That's where they come together. Right. It's those retirees who have been wearing, you know, elephant buttons for forever. And meanwhile, when they're hanging out with their friends and playing, I don't pickleball. I don't know what the hell this thing is or bocce or whatever. You know, these are the ones who are like, well, you know, I'm not racist, but. Right. And then they talk about the problems that African-Americans present and all this stuff. And they're white supremacists, but they won't even admit that they are. Well, guess what? Those groups have collided. And where they meet in the middle is Trumpism. Right. You have neo-Nazis over here who use Trump because he's a white supremacist, probably in denial. And over here you have white supremacists in denial. And they all work together. And now the walls just eroding. The people who are sticking by this disgusting display are the ones who, like, saw the neo-Nazis and were like, maybe if you lost the swastika, maybe we could play some pickleball,
1: right? But it, <laughs> right. it
0: turns out that, that they're on the same side. They just are.
1: I agree. I uh, it's And it's really just uh, a profound effect. Now, the only thing I could take Salison is that the older people – and by the way, it, there's nothing more absurd than the image of some sort of Trump rally being done by these people in golf carts driving in a circle oh. around and around because they're too old to walk, I suppose – uh it was just so ridiculous at the very least though they're beyond um they're beyond uh, uh raising kids so it's possible that they may have done the damage when the kids were young you know decades ago but at the very least they're not actively training young you know very young kids to be indoctrinated to this so there, there might be some hope that like they're not going to pass this along as easily as you know the the parents of young kids now who are who are, who are the white supremacists
0: yeah, if you want some hope, it's the fact that you're you have a generation right now and the generation before it that are living in an America where these things are being questioned. They're a lot smarter about politics and they're a lot smarter about what actual history is and what privilege is and, and, and what systemic racism is. So there is hope to be had. I mean all all this stuff we're talking about, Trump betraying the country and all that, I mean, it's rough stuff, but there's hope. Um and, and, and you know what? Speaking of, we, we try our hardest. To make this a hopeful podcast, we try and give you information and uh, you know, bring you uh, a realist, actual, nuanced perspective. But We try and bring hope with it. So we want to thank you for hanging out with us. It's really, really cool uh, that you do and the support that you give us. You've been doing a fantastic job of helping this show. Again, what we ask, we, we're not looking for money. We don't have a Patreon of that stuff. What we're asking, just please share it. Just, you know, share it with your friends, share it with your social media, like it, subscribe it, rate it, leave comments. Weirdly enough, all that stuff helps. It helps with algorithms and it's helped build our audience and it's certainly growing. So we're really, really appreciative. Um, We're going to be back later this week. Uh, I'm hoping to do a live stream on Sunday where I'm going to talk to people. So if people are interested in that, come along. Uh, man, it was good to be back here. I missed this last week, so this is nice. Uh, until next time, you can find Nick at Can You Hear Me SMH. You can find me at JY Sexton. Until then, everyone,
1: be safe. <music>